Clark Smith is a nine-year-old who lives in Beverly Hills, Michigan, and was interviewed by the local news about his thoughts on 2020, to which he responded, it was a lot like looking both ways before crossing the street and then getting hit by a submarine. His remarks made me mindful of the fact that in mid-December, a number of our children here at the church joined in for their final Wednesday night over Zoom. And at one point, one of the volunteers asked the children if they would be doing anything special over the Christmas break. And one of the children raised their hand and said, all of us, our whole family, we're staying up all the way till midnight on New Year's Eve. Oh, how very exciting. Yes, yes, we want to be sure that 2020 goes away. There was a shared collective laughter on Zoom, and then other children started to raise their hand. They liked this idea. They, too, wanted to stay up until midnight on New Year's Eve. They, too, wanted to see 2020 be on its way, because in truth, all of us wanted to see 2020 be on its way. And now here we are in 2021, and a recent meme I've seen around the internet sums up uh, one prevailing sentiment quite well. First rule of 2021, never talk about 2020. We are eager to move forward, and rightly so. And I think then there's a part of us that is so deeply encouraged by the fact that Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 7 through 14, is one of the lectionary scriptures for this very first Sunday in 2021. I mean, here again, some of those promises that are proclaimed there. See, I will gather them, God will gather them, God's people, from the ends of the earth. Oh, oh, to be gathered. Now, that's a, that's a 2021 promise. For the Lord will deliver God's people and redeem them from the hands of those stronger than they. Amen to deliverance from power and sin and structures and viruses bigger than any one of us. That's that's a 2021 promise. They will shout. They will come and shout for joy on the height of Zion. An image of people gathered shouting, dare I say even singing together. Oh, no, that's, that's a 2021 promise. Now, we, we recognize these promises in context are speaking to the people of God who've been exiled from their homeland by the great Babylonian Empire. And while we've certainly known, not known that kind of displacement, we've most certainly known a kind of exile from much of what we used to know. A kind of being put outside our normal definition and rhythms of home and for an extended time. And as pastor, part of me wants to stop here and simply declare unto the exiles the Jeremiah 31 truth. This is the year of God's gathering. This is the year of God's redemption. This is the year of singing together. This is 2021, the year of the Lord's favor. Put aside 2020, close the door. That's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Except, those promises are definitely true. Central 
to what God and Jesus Christ does for us, both now and certainly for all eternity. But as we draw closer to the passage itself, we find it has got a different texture and flavor of hopefulness than maybe we might first expect. I mean, right at the outset of the passage, actually, it becomes clear this, this joyful gathering is not just one big, wonderful party, forget whatever just happened. We read instead, make your praises heard, people of God, and say, Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Make your praises heard, and at the very same time, say, Lord, save your people, the the remnant, the remaining of us. So, are you calling forth praise or or petition? Are are we in a good place, and, and so we sing, or are things not well? Are things... Maybe quite bad, and so we, we need your salvation. Is it gladness or grief? Or is it somehow both? The passage continues in this paradoxical vein. We read that God promises to gather God's people from all these places they've been scattered, and among them will be the blind and the lame. Notice, it doesn't say those who have been healed of their blindness. Those who now walk and are no longer lame. No, the blind, the lame, they are gathered centrally into this hope as the blind and the lame sing for joy. Save us. Also among those being gathered are expectant mothers and women in labor. Earlier in the book of Jeremiah, the image of a woman in labor is the image used to describe the pain of Israel as the Babylonian Empire is overtaking it and exiling all of them. For instance, Jeremiah chapter 4, we read, I hear a cry as of a woman in labor, a groan as of one bearing her first child. The cry of daughter Zion gasping for breath, stretching out her hands and saying, Alas, I am fainting, my life is given over to murderers. And Jeremiah, the woman in labor, is primarily a painful and gasping, even broken image. And so again, Jeremiah does not say that among those gathered into this new hope are are, are women now with their newborn babies. Mother and child are doing quite well. But rather women in labor. Sing for joy. Oh, save us. How good it is to know the Lord is doing a a, a wondrous and faithful thing among us, bringing us together, but also, also the limps and the aches and the griefs from all of our time in exile. Those are still with us. Those are still real. So also save us. A couple weeks ago, I came across an article exploring why a Charlie Brown Christmas continues to prove so popular year after year since it first aired in 1965. And the article explores a host of reasons, but, but two are most prominent. Foremost, the music. As a theme song for Charlie Brown, the Charlie Brown Christmas special, the producer decided to use a single called Cast Your Fate to the Wind from this jazz album by Vince Guaraldi. It's a song, the article observes, that, that comes over you in a powerful way, somehow expressing the way that melancholy and happiness can combine. 
into an intense emotion. A, a rare song at once capturing both the melancholy and the happiness, the bitter and the sweet, and yet, in a way, never not naive, is most essentially hopeful. And really, that's so perfectly appropriate to a Charlie Brown Christmas because, yes, it's a fun, ultimately uplifting story, but if you've watched it, you know it does not gloss around or over the sadness, the loneliness, the desperation that is real for so many especially in certain significant seasons. And so you can listen to Cast Your Fate to the Wind or or Linus and Lucy, as it's called, on the soundtrack. You really can listen to the whole of that soundtrack and you hear how the sound masterfully captures this complex but oh-so-true both-and joy-longing. My sense is if Jeremiah 31 had a soundtrack, you could do a lot worse than Giraldi's Charlie Brown Christmas jazz because it's clear the prophet's calling forth in the same breath praise and petition, joy and cries of desperation. Indeed, it's obvious that the aches and pains and griefs are so real for some among these people of God, some among the blind, the lame, the women in labor, as they're gathering unto the reunion, that we read in verse 9 that they bring a heavy dose of minor chords with them. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I so want to declare to you today that we have made it to 2021. The strike of midnight three nights ago has cut us asunder from all forms of turmoil, grief, injustice, all forms of of heartache, exhaustion, pain. We have known in that year no more. I think we want this kind of promise in so many facets of our life, regardless of the year. If we can just get to the new relationship, the next relationship, we can leave behind the mess of this one and those people and that. If we can just get on to to a new job, a new endeavor, a new position, we can leave all that stress, those people, that dynamics in the past. If we can just shift things here at the church onto the next thing, the new things, and, and leave behind all the unresolved tensions or old things or issues, or if we just find a new church, a better church, and close the door on... If we could just get the right politicians in office, then... If we can get this vaccine deployed, faithfully and fully, finally, then... If we can just shut the door on whatever ills happened here, there, or any time, if we could just use whatever helps us get that door shut in the past, long forgotten, and move forward then. But the promise of God is not the negation of all of our past pain and grief. The promise of God is to meet us in our wounds and gather us with our wounds. We do not move past our wounds. We do not move beyond them as if they go behind a door. We move with them 
And that is actually the only way unto the redemptive gathering and healing therein. They will come with weeping. Was Jesus himself not raised from the dead with his scars? Not a pristine body of perfection with no semblance that anything dire or awful or unjust ever happened. Oh no, he he is raised with his scars fresh and visible. The past pain, the past injustice, it's not glossed over, covered over, stuffed down. It is quite visibly part of resurrection redemption itself. My goodness, we lift high the great wound. To be a people living in the promise of resurrection is to be a people who are being gathered together with, with our blindness, our limping, our aching, our weeping, in whatever forms they were known in exile or before. And so instead of leaning into 2021, hoping it, it, it goes well, maybe even so well, we really don't need to think about 2020 or anything that happened, let me invite actually a different posture. Let's pick up 2020 once more and hold it up to our heart's assessment. And let's be sure to first name clearly before God and one another Genuine reasons for gratitude, for each day was a day the Lord made. And also, where has that year, or that which unfolded in that year, left a mark? Opened a wound? Deepened? A wound? In what ways small and maybe in what ways big was there grief or pain or injustice or exhaustion or limping? In what ways did we know this as individuals, as a church? As a nation, as a world, true hope, biblical hope, is not found running from the pain, refusing to name the wounds, acting like all is well and nothing really ever happened anyway. Rather, true hope is found by recognizing where we've known the aches and the pains, where we do know the aches and the pains, because those always are precisely the spaces in which the Lord meets us and raises us unto resurrection life with scars. The wounds, they really are central to God's regathering story, this redemption story. Often, actually, the wounds become the central conduit through which God is writing the next chapter in our lives. Bottom line, the soundtrack of biblical hope is far less easy pop, all is well 
And far more Vince Garaldi, the bitter and the sweet flowing together in a complex, memorable redemption. Speaking of, the second thing the article points out that makes a Charlie Brown Christmas so enduring is this. There is a wonderful simplicity to the message The essence of Christmas is stripped down from all the lights, the stuff, the pomp, and circumstance. And you have Linus reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Same. The picture of hope Jeremiah paints is not one in which a nation of Israel is is assured this return to great power or or, or military might or Influence or, or great riches, or even a return to the great temple and religious life just like they once knew it. None of that's on the table. What we hear is stripped down to the essentials. Oh, they will come and shout for joy on the heights of Zion. The young and, and old will dance. They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. Those are the three staple areas of Israel's agriculture. The picture of this regathering of the people is one in which the whole place is coming, uh, coming back to life, but, but really at its most elemental level. The place where people plant and cultivate. Eat, drink, share table. We're every age, right there with their limps. Dances. I don't know all the various kinds of 2021 hopes and goals and dreams you may have or even the church may well have, but I am confident of this. 2021 shall be a year in which the wise among us will walk forward acutely aware of our reasons for gratitude and also acutely aware of our wounds, our scars as individuals, as a church, as a society that we have gained in time of exile. And rather than just tucking those behind us or finally out of sight, we recognize that it's actually going to be there. It's right there in the weakness, in the hurt, in the failure, in the pain, in the injustice, right there that our scar-ridden God meets us, embraces us, and brings us to alongside one another at table. And if this pandemic has taught us anything else, it is that the simple gift of gathering at table with our beautiful and broken siblings of every generation, that is, in fact, among the most sublime of all gifts. May we know such grace, wounds and all, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.